this is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2. This week's show features an interview with two highly educated and accomplished physical therapists who left their careers to enter the world of furniture refinishing. However, they didn't leave their PT knowledge behind as they're going to share with us how they use proper body mechanics while refinishing. We'll hear from our Zebra Furniture Flip host, Jen Talley. She'll share some news about this fun and exciting event. You'll also hear a refinishing tip. Check in from a few of your friends on what they're working on in their studios this week, and we'll hear another Did You Know segment. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Today we have two special guests that you will enjoy hearing from. Both of these guests have a physical therapy background. They're going to provide insight into best practices, sharing how they work smart when it comes to refinishing. And to top it off, they are great friends to the refinishing community. They are Jen Green with Green Spruce Designs and Susan Stefano with Little Lou Designs. Welcome, Jen and Susan. Hi. Thank you. Hi. How are you both doing today? I'm good. Very good. Are you like refinishing uh, with your right hand and using the phone to talk on the podcast with your left? <laughs> I am listening yeah. to the kids homeschooling on their remote sessions with one ear and the other ear trying okay. to get our podcast done. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> that sounds like the same thing here. I was just refinishing a piece and listening to the Zebra um, podcast on all of the um, Golden Brush Awards. So congratulations to all of the finalists and winners. Yes, that it was an amazing year. And congratulations to both of you because you both had the privilege of being finalist, which is an extraordinary uh, accomplishment. So congratulations. You guys did phenomenal. Yeah, it definitely was an honor. Very exciting. Thank you so much. So, you know, we have to talk about the weather. So <laughs> tell me what's going on in your neck of the woods, Jen. Um, I'm in Northern Virginia and we have flurries, but they are not sticking. Um, so, but we're supposed to get some snow the next few days and I'm headed down. We, we got a mountain house, um, in the fall. So I'm headed down there this weekend to do some snowboarding. Wow. You know what? When you said the flurries are coming down and they're not sticking, that sounds like basically what happens in North Carolina every winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people get so upset because they want snow. So they want at least one big snowfall, but it just it doesn't seem to be happening so far. Although we're getting a lot of rain, but I guess the temperatures just aren't right to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, I know. It disappoints the kids, too, when it doesn't stick, but... Well, Susan, you're in Massachusetts, right? I am, yes. So what's going on up there in the weather? Well, it is a brisk 29 degrees Fahrenheit out. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and we have white ground everywhere. we got a few big storms uh, a couple days apart. So we probably have a good six to eight inches out there now. we got 18 last storm, but, of course, some of it melts. So, yeah, we have a nice wow. snow cover here. And funny thing, Jen, we lead very parallel lives. We just bought a... Um, well, a lake house that's in the mountains um, last, well, we closed oh, in January, nice. but we, we, we um, went and saw it in the fall. So, yeah. That's so awesome. It's such a great um, time to do that, too, with the kids home from school and they have flexible schedules because they don't have sports. And so, yeah, it's been a great time to do that. Yeah, that, that's so cool. I was thinking about that, too, Susan, when, when uh, Jen brought that up, that um, you guys have a lot of things in common, including having these uh these vacation homes that's pretty cool lucky 
Yes. Yeah, definitely. We're excited. <laughs> you know, Susan, I have to bring this up because I saw in one of your stories, I don't know if it was last week or the week before last, but you, it was, it was a, a story of you guys. Um, I don't know if it was in your, with your new property, but you had some sort of a luge thing going on down <laughs> through the woods. <laughs> that was at our house here in Massachusetts. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fine. I was like that. That is so cool. I said, I need to be a good mom today. I have to do something <laughs> really good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, oh, this would be cool because we have a very steep hill, but it's at the bottom of the hill. It's a forest, like tons of trees. So it's not safe to really just let the kids go sledding there. So I said, if we create a big track with kind of high walls or a luge like um, uh-huh. feature, then we can kind of guide where they go. So I just took my shovel and started to go and it worked. <laughs> It really did. It was impressive. Yeah, it was fast. Cool. I went down and I was like, whoa, okay, I think I'm too old for this. <laughs> but yeah, the kids had a blast. I didn't show my kids because I, I knew they would be like, oh, man, <laughs> this is like pathetic around here. <laughs> we had just uh, just a dusting that didn't last uh, at all. And uh, my nine-year-old was like, is that is that enough to go out and sled? And Aww. I'm like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> Well, you know, our listeners love learning more about our guest. And for those maybe who don't know you both as well as they would like, why don't each of you share about your PT or physical therapy background and your experience? And uh, Jen, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I um, I went to Ithaca College in upstate New York for physical therapy school um, and then did my master's in Rochester, New York. Um, and then I did physical therapy for t- about 12 years um, in outpatient orthopedics. So I saw, saw a lot of patients with preoperative and postoperative surgeries, uh, shoulders, knees, backs, everything. So I did that for 12 years. And then when my third child was born, I um, left to be a stay-at-home mom for a few years and then got into the furniture refinishing, and I've been doing that uh, for the last almost five years. Wow, that's quite, that's quite a background. Now, did you do you at any point like reflect back on that time and really long to go back to that uh, that area of expertise in the future? Uh, I probably won't go back, but I do still do physical therapy on the daily because I have three kids <laughs> who do sports, and they're always injured or in pain and I'm always evaluating them. Do we have to go to the doctor? Do we have to go get an x-ray? You know, my parents, my my friends and family, uh, I'm always getting, you know, yeah. asked, you know, can you help me with this or give me some exercises for that? So I still do physical therapy, just not, you know, professionally. Um, but it's really great to have the background because you need it. Like I do it on myself all the time and it's, it's great to have the background, but I, I probably won't go back into the field. I just love just being creative and having my own business right now. So, so I probably um, won't go back, but I do um, really appreciate having the background of it because I do um, use it all the time. (laughs) What a great knowledge base to have as well. Like you just said, for just everyday life. That's, that's phenomenal. What what about you, Susan? Very similar as um, Jen was saying, I, Oh, geez, wonder. I graduated in 96 with a bachelor's in exercise physiology or exercise science, and then graduated in 98 with a master's in physical therapy, and then went back and got my doctorate oh, wow. in 2001 in physical therapy and worked 
from 98 until 2016. Also as an outpatient ortho physical therapist. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so treating all the same things as you did in repetitive stress or surgery, yeah. broken bones, you name it. And then we adopted our son in 2016. And so at that point I had a four and five year old and I said, okay, I think I'm going to stop PT for a while. Cause I have my hands full. Um, <laughs> And started getting creative and crafty and painting furniture. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so cool. Wow. You guys have accomplished much. That, yeah, that I know. Hang out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's see. How far is Virginia from Massachusetts? Oh, no. A little too far right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, your stories are like so many others. You studied one thing and totally changed course at some point, began a career in refinishing. But just as we noted, you've been able to use your expertise and your knowledge base in physical therapy um, in your everyday lives and especially applying it into the world of refinishing, which we're going to talk about in a little second. But uh, before we get into our topic discussion of proper body posture and mechanics when refinishing, I want to throw out a bit of a disclaimer here. We are discussing how Jen and Susan refinish from the perspective of physical therapists. So we aren't telling or advising you, the listener, on what to do and not do. We're simply sharing what they do that works for them with their PT knowledge base and experience. You as a listener have the option to glean from them and decide what is best for you and what you believe will be most effective for your work environments and situations. Uh, so let's let's kind of dive into the discussion of physical therapy. And this may seem like a really, really simplistic question, but I never want to assume anything when it comes to um, just the broad range of listeners that we have. And so let's just, if you guys would, just define on a very basic level, what is physical therapy? And I know you talked about what you did in your college, your, uh, your education, but what is physical therapy and how have you guys used it in relation to refinishing? Good question. So, well, physical therapy is just kind of rehabbing the body or getting a person back to health that sustained an injury or pain um, or had surgery or something, getting them back to doing their gross motor activities of regular, you know, day, um, walking, going up and down stairs or job activities, um, stuff like that. But part of the physical therapy um, job that we do requires a lot of, or I guess requires a lot of education on our patients too. So we want to teach mm -hmm. them how to prevent further injury and how to move forward and recover from their injury. And that's, I think, where it ties into what we're doing here with furniture is how to um, move properly and do things correctly so you don't get injured. <laughs> Jen? Yeah, a lot of um, the physical therapy I would do while refinishing furniture is just making life easier, you know, like pushing or pulling or sliding rather than lifting, um, using wheels or just anything that makes makes the process easier and prevents fatigue and strain and injury. That's that's kind of preventative measures of physical therapy where you're educating people to um, just kind of prevent the injury and and help them sustain their lifestyle and work workload because it is so manual i mean furniture restoration is it, such a manual yes. physically so taxing physical. hobby or profession yeah it really is and and you guys both uh, highlighted that really effectively and you know just just the idea that 
you know, preventing injury, obviously to protect your body, but also, you know, for those that are doing this every single day and this is the career, you know, you have an injury and how long will you be out of work, you know? So right. there's, there's very, mm -hmm. there's many aspects to the desire and the need to, you know, to function properly in your, in your career. Well, listeners want to know what you guys do to protect your bodies while refinishing. So let's start with the steps involved in the process and begin with loading and unloading. And I, I would probably say this is probably one of the biggest challenges I think uh, a lot of folks have. Uh, I don't know. Would you guys agree with that? I agree. Yeah. It's well, go ahead and let's let's talk about what what um, and you guys really can have a conversation with each other because I'm sure you guys have a lot to bring to the table when it comes to the best ways to approach loading and unloading and what you guys have done in the past that uh, really make and uh, you know prevent as much injury as possible. I think a lot of it too is common sense and something you can just learn over time, the more you start to move furniture, you realize, all right, that doesn't work. How can I make this easier on my body? But then of course, you know, having a physical therapy background or um, physics or simple, you know, knowledge of simple machines and things to give you a mechanical advantage is always an added bonus. Um, but if you don't have another person to help you lift and I don't, and I know a lot of other people, you're doing this on your own, um, just making good use of, dollies or the little wooden ones with the wheels so you can use those and shifting furniture around um, instead of lifting as Jen said pushing and pulling I actually do a lot of um, when I'm trying to move something from one area to another and I don't have my little rolling carts with me I will flip it up on its side and like you're and then flip it up on the other side so kind of pivoting it through the room as opposed to drag it or break the legs off of it and I can't lift it. Unloading or taking the drawers out <laughs> makes a huge difference. But I think, again, that's pretty much common sense. If you're trying to move something, make it as light as you can. Take whatever parts are mobile, take them off to lighten the load. You know, squatting and bending and keeping your back straight is huge. You don't want to be hunched over something and try. Um, so straight back, bent hip, bent knees, kind of pivoting at your hips. When you're trying to, you know, gently move something, it goes on and on and on. Yeah, that's good. Jen, do you want to add anything to, to the loading and unloading? Yeah, I just always make sure to have proper body mechanics. Um, just getting as close to the furniture yes. piece as I can. Kind of feet apart. I have my knees apart so I can get my body right up against it and have my elbows and arms really close to it. Back straight, tight stomach muscles to protect your back. Always bend at my hips and knees, looking up and ahead so that because a lot of people yeah. will look down and that will curve the spine forward mm. and that can cause injury. So I always look up and ahead um, and use my arms and legs if I do have to lift and not lift from my back. And I don't twist when I am lifting. I've had I had so many patients oh, yes. that have just like bent forward and twisted just to pick up like something light from the floor and then they strain the back muscle or they have a bulged disc and, and that's not even furniture. So it's just really, really important. Right. It can be something light just with bad mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it's been great um, to have my husband home during this COVID season and my, my sons, they are 13 and 16 now. So this is just um, starting where they can actually help me uh, lift if I do, which has been just so great because they're always home now. So I've, I've been able to take load off because I've been able to ask them for help. Um, 
before when they weren't home, I, I would have people come uh, for pickups or uh, deliveries and it would only be me at home. So it, I would have to have the customer help me. And anytime I saw them just like bend at the waist to grab the bottom of the furniture, I just kind of gently said, hey, I'm a physical therapist. I, I just don't want you to get injured. Um, and then I'll kind of show them the proper body mechanics of how to lift it with me so they don't, don't get injured on my watch. Um, but but it's so, so crazy how many people just like will bend right at their waist to pick up the furniture from the bottom and oh, the injuries that oh, will happen yes. with that eventually. So yeah, asking for help, lightening the load, like Susan said, I remove the drawers and the shelves, any glass doors, I'll unhinge if I'm delivering, um, just to make the load lighter. Mirrors, I take those off and I use uh, those three wheel furniture movers for furniture with legs. Those are great. Oh, yes. Yep. I have those too. Those are convenient. Oh, and we just um we just got the mountain house and all the furniture conveyed and i didn't want any of the furniture because i refinished furniture and i refinished all the furniture for it so there was a lot of moving furniture in and out so i got these moving straps oh i've seen those they're called forearm forklifts they are so great so you you strap them under the furniture and then loop them around your forearms and they're actually designed to encourage proper lifting because you just put your hands on there and you have to lift with your with your arms and legs. You're not lifting with your back because it's keeping you straight. And it just gives you so much leverage that the furniture seems so much lighter. So, so those have been really, um, really great since I've been moving so much furniture lately. That's really good. I've seen movers actually use those, um, but I didn't think about investing in a pair. But they're just pretty much straps. I mean, they're designed for that. But yeah, they just look like straps, right? They're, they're heavy duty heavy booty straps. Yeah. All of that will help just to prevent fatigue and strain and injury. And Jen made a good point too, saying, and I you know, forgot, but if you are picking up something and then turning to her, keep your feet planted and you all and twist, you always need to pick the feet up and move to the direction yeah. you're turning. Cause that is so many back injuries happen. Um, and as you were saying too, making sure you're really, really close to whatever it is that you're moving, even if it's, you know, whether it's light or heavy, um, getting your body as close to it as possible and never leaning over something and picking <laughs> something up <laughs> ever. <laughs> So that that's really interesting when you're talking about twisting. So and and tell me, both of you, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it almost uh, maybe this is not proper the way to say it, but almost being somewhat robotic? You you talk about not twisting my torso away into a different direction from where the direction of my feet. Correct. Yes, bend, the bending forward and twisting. You can you can bulge a disc very easily or strain a yeah. muscle in your back. Wow. That's, that's really good to know and learn and understand that. That sounds so important. Now, the other thing, Jen, you mentioned these straps. Do these straps, are they, they require two people because you've got yes. one person on each side. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. I, I think I've seen those as well. It sounds, uh, they sound like they would be really effective. You know, you know, as we're sitting here talking about this stuff, the one thing that keeps coming to my mind is the word patient, <laughs> not patient yes. as in a patient in a hospital, but being patient oh, because I yeah. would think the biggest thing, the one of the biggest struggles with refinishers is you've just picked up this piece or you've got a piece that you want to start, but it's not where it needs to be so that you can start it mm. oh, <laughs> and yeah. you need help getting it. And so you instead don't want to wait of for just, help. exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
I mean, I think that's huge, you know, and maybe that's a part of the planning, you know, is thinking ahead of like, now I'm going to start this piece tomorrow. You know, my husband's here tonight. Tonight we should move it, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of thinking ahead and planning. Um, You know, it's so funny because I was thinking back growing up and uh, I remember one particular story with my mom. My mom was really into keeping the house clean and she loved to move furniture around. She loved it, you know, to move one room. You know, you come home and it's like everything's been moved around. (laughs) (laughs) She loved that, you know, what it just added, you know, sort of a newness to a room. We had this table, this kitchen table. It was like a little dining table. And it was in a like a kitchen area, but she wanted it in the on the other side of the bar. And my dad was working. We were at school. We come home, and that table is on the other side of the bar. She and was we, determined. Oh my word! That, right? <laughs> she found a way. She, she bear hugged it. I see people doing that all the time, yes. just like bear hugging it, and like oh. Yeah, I mean, we look because because I actually have that table. It's a it's an antique table, so I have this table today. And I have to have somebody else help me move the table. And, I, and whenever oh I see goodness. that, I'm like, how did my mom do that? Aww. Hopefully. Maybe she used the, the dolly or the, the wheels. No, I mean, she literally <laughs> had to get the thing over the island. I mean, not, not the, it. yeah, the little bar, I should say, like an island. But there, kind of there was no system. way to move. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe she did. Maybe she oh used a, a strap or something. But. But anyway, just having said that, it just made me think of that. But it is so important to just be patient or to plan ahead so that you're not trying to move something heavy on on your own. Yes. Really good advice. And you also were talking about when you're doing custom work, do you guys deliver it yourself or do you say you have to come pick it up? You have to move it from my studio to your place. What what do you guys do uh, for custom work? I don't do custom work personally, but I do sell locally sometimes. So it's when I sell locally, the customer might come to my house. I'll help them get it into their car or I'll deliver it and then they'll help me on that end if I don't have someone. Um, but I don't do custom. Same here for the Mokyu custom pieces. Um, but most of the pieces I do and then sell locally and the people still will come. I've made a probably, I don't know, less than a handful of deliveries when someone was really stuck and couldn't pick the piece up. But for the most part... The people that are purchasing my furniture come to my house and we help them load it, usually my husband and myself, and then it's up to them on the other end. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it'd be a little bit harsh to say, look, I did the custom work. You pick it up. You figure out how to to get it from my place. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) help. You know, I was thinking about that, though, but I was wondering how much more possibility for injury because, Mm. you know, when you get a piece before you refinished it, I mean, you're taking care of it, right? But there's a different level of care, I would think, once you spend all that hard work stripping oh, and sanding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. To me, that would be a, like a, a perfect storm to have, oh. you know, an injury because you're trying to protect it. And that's your primary purpose and goal, not necessarily your own body, you know? Right. The piece that you just <laughs> right. spent so many hours getting ready. <laughs> Oh man! Well, the stuff that you, the information you guys provided is just key on how you guys, uh, you know, work and to protect your body. So that's excellent. You know, on the front end of refinishing, once you have your piece unloaded and ready for work, you start with cleaning and then potentially sanding. So, what do you guys do to prevent strain and injury with those uh, parts of the process? You know, obviously, electric sanders are going to help you conserve energy. Um, when you are sanding something, you just want it again, close to your body and ideally at like chest height, elbow at 90, 
if you are hand standing, people tend to kind of shrug their shoulders up and really, you know, exert energy. And I would say, um, just try to relax your shoulders away from your ears. So you don't, uh, put the upper chops in spasm. Also move your feet to avoid sanding a large area while standing in one place because you want to avoid reaching and straining your neck and shoulder muscles. When I am hand sanding, I try to put my whole body weight into it instead of just kind of sanding back and forth from your shoulder, kind of use your body weight to put the energy into it. And again, with like cleaning also keeping things at chest height. I have a picnic table and a picnic bench under my deck that I use when I'm prepping furniture. So I'll just put the drawers usually up on the bench and that gives me a good height to clean them and sand them. Um, Just bringing it closer to your body and closer to chest height, putting furniture up on you know, two sawhorses or a bench. Yeah, I just try to keep it all ergonomically sound. Yeah, all good points. I'm pretty much the same way whenever you're working on a piece and doing any repetitive sanding, which that sure is repetitive or stripping or painting, just yeah, making sure it's at a proper level. If you can raise a piece up, definitely do that. If you can't, I um, have a little rolling stool I will sometimes sit on so I can lower myself down and work at chest height that way. And then if you're using a sander or sandpaper, sometimes this is possible, sometimes it's not. But a, a bit of a wider grip when you're holding on to something is better than a really small grip. It just puts less strain on the forearm and hand. Sometimes you can <laughs> get a wider grip on nice big sanders. Sometimes you just have a tiny piece of sandpaper and you can't. But the mo- you know, more that you can get a wider grip, it is easier on the forearm. Um, and minimizes repetitive strain on the muscles, tendons, ligaments. Just taking rest breaks and doing some like wrist stretches and neck stretches can help, you know, reduce the tension in your muscles. If you Google wrist flexor or wrist extensor stretches or postural exercises, you'll find a lot of um, chest stretches, uh, neck stretches, chin tucks, upper back and core strengthening, that's all going to help with your posture because a lot of times with furniture refinishing, you're forward flexed, you're hunched over, almost kind of like someone who sits um, at a computer. Mm -hmm. So those postural exercises are going to help just keep your muscles strong and flexible and reduce tension. And as Jen just said too, um, if if you have the option, say you're doing some sanding for 20 minutes or if you wanted to do it longer, trying to break it up. And I think, I'm, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but if you have a few pieces going at once, that's very beneficial because you can do some sanding, maybe mm-hmm. 20, 30 minutes on one piece, move on to something completely different to let those particular muscles you were just using rest and activate some other muscles, mm-hmm. you know, maybe moving a couple of pieces of furniture or removing hardware or installing hardware, just changing, um, shifting your activity for a period of time to give those other muscles a rest. And you can then go back to sanding after you've done, say, 20 or 30 minutes of something else. So I like to have a couple of pieces going at once where I can in different stages too. So I can change it up a little bit. So would you guys say the 20 minute mark is kind of the the general kind of zone to switch it up around the 20 minute mark? I think that's ideal. It's not very 
realistic sometimes, <laughs> but I would say that's the ideal amount of time to that you don't really want to go beyond. But do I do that all the time? No. Yeah. This is sort of a goal that you work toward. What about when you're you're doing something, let's say sanding, and, and uh, maybe it's 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is, but you're really starting to feel fatigued or you feel certain muscles really, you know, starting to get tight. Um, is it, I mean, it's never too late to stop. Right. But I mean, is, is at that point, are you like really pushing it or should you be more aware so that you stop before you start feeling the tension and the fatigue? Well, that's definitely your sign to stop and change what you're doing or take a break, obviously. Um, I think it depends on the individual, really. I mean, yes, you should stop before you start to be uncomfortable and experience pain, definitely. But it depends on how in tune the individual is to their body, too. I know what my limits are. And if I'm starting to feel fatigued, I usually will listen and, you know, change what I'm doing or stop and just take a rest. Yeah, you don't want to wait until there's discomfort or pain and you've gone a little bit too far. And if you if you do take these body mechanics and postural things that we've talked about into consideration and and get things at a, a proper height and kind of use uh, your body weight instead of just smaller muscle groups, you're going to get less fatigues Mm -hmm. and you're going to get less strain. So hopefully you're going to avoid that anyway. Um, And then just take the breaks when you do need it. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, staying hydrated. You know, it's always the number one rule for, for doing really anything. Even if you're just sitting in a computer, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. And I've often heard that once you get thirsty, you've reached dehydration. I mean, your body's starting to dehydrate. Right. And so the challenge is, you know, how do you remember to drink? I mean, some people are really good at it. Some people are not. I mean, you, you don't think to drink until you're thirsty. <laughs> so you're, you know, you've reached, you've, right. you've reached into that zone. And so it made me think of that with respect to, you know, doing these repetitive motions for more of a limited amount of time. Um, and I, I guess that just goes with you know, knowledge, taking the knowledge, uh, hearing what you guys are saying and doing research on their own, but also just saying, you know what, I've got to be really intentional about this. And so I'm going to try to get myself into a habitual form of not doing things longer than 20 minutes. And whether it's setting an alarm or whatever it is, you know, there's there's even apps on the phone that go off, you know, every so often just to remind you to take a drink of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. We need that. You mm-hmm. know, we live such busy lives and we get distracted. All of the stuff that you guys have shared so far, I would imagine uh, applies to even the painting and distressing. But do you have anything to add? Um, Because I know that there are different motions that take place when you're doing, you know, whether you're prepping, cleaning, sanding, depending on whether you're using a sander. Uh, But when you get into the painting and distressing, uh, you're still using sandpaper in some cases. But is there anything that maybe that's not been added that you'd like to add about the painting portion? that people should be aware of? I don't think this is really PT-based knowledge. It's just kind of common sense. But when you are getting into awkward areas and trying to paint a piece of furniture, um, you can easily, you know, strain your neck if you're trying to get inside a cubby or whatever. So I found that if you can just, you know, flipping, flipping the pieces onto the side, onto the back, the other side will help you reach those hard to reach places much easier when without straining your body as mm-hmm. much so that i find and then you find it maybe little areas that you might have missed too so, <laughs> so it's beneficial on a <laughs> right. few counts but um that can be helpful as opposed to trying to strain and reach up and get into hard to reach areas to paint and sand just making sure you're 
turning the, if you can, the piece of furniture from one side to the other and even upside down to get to access those areas um, a little bit more just to make it easier to access. Yeah, those are good points. I'll paint uh, furniture in my stories and I always get uh, messages about why do you keep the drawers in when you paint? I guess it's unusual, but I like to keep my drawers in when I'm painting. One, because I have a small studio and also I blend and layer colors so there's a better flow, but I also find it helps me to avoid bending Mm -hmm. over, you know, whereas I see people um, setting their drawers up on the floor and kind of bending over to paint them. I find it just more comfortable to keep the drawers in so then I don't have to squat down. I don't have to bend over. I can sit on my stool and just paint the piece with the drawers in. Um, So that helps me just um, with better body mechanics. You know, sometimes I think more injuries come from things like this, you know, as opposed to lifting. Because when we lift, we're more conscious and probably put more thought into it. But bending over for a longer period of time, you know, it's just easy to get caught up in the task and then you realize it's too late, as we talked earlier, and you've strained something. So we just, I guess we, the, big, the big thing is just really being aware of what you're doing and trying to limit the amount of time that you spend doing it. And I like what you both have echoed, you know, as far as saying have multiple projects going on, at least two, right? So that yes. you can be doing one thing. And then when you're done with that, you can jump over to something else. One of the things that you guys have mentioned is trying to do tasks at chest level. Are you aware of any products? I mean, I know there's lifts out there that are designed for other things like, you know, you think of the, the car lifts and the and the motorcycle lifts, but uh, I'm just wondering if there's anything out there where that you could slide under your furniture piece and, and you know, safely elevate it to a level that is going to be, you know, conducive for for that specific task. Are you guys aware of any anything out there? No, but that sounds really good, like a little pneumatic machine that raises it up. I've seen a few uh, furniture refinishers using a hydraulic motorcycle lift, and I looked mm-hmm. into it on Amazon. It's quite an investment, though. It's uh, like $350. But oh, if yeah. you do have back and knee issues and you can't lift, it could be really helpful because it's, it is hydraulic. But I usually will just kind of use a bench or sawhorses, but then I do have to have someone help me lift it up onto that. Mm-hmm. Now that you say that, Jen, I think recently I've seen a couple people post about that. Yeah. And I said, oh, I need to look into that. And yeah. then I forgot. <laughs> I got sidetracked. Yeah, you need some some space in your work area. And it is an investment, but it you know holds a lot of weight. And you can put the dresser right up on it and just it'll lift it up. That sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it certainly makes sense uh, from a mechanic standpoint uh, of having it at a level that you're not going to have. You're going to have minimal strain. And if you're doing, you know, it, it's like some of these other uh, things that, you know, when you look at refurniture finishing and areas to invest in, if you're going to be doing it every day and it's your job, it's, it may be worth $350 to, to invest yeah. in something that's going to uh, minimize, you know, potential injuries. And also furniture refinishing is just very physically demanding. So in addition to, you know, the proper body mechanics and using simple machines and asking for help and lightening the load that we've discussed, I also just try to stay physically fit so that I can do this work because I do love to do this work. Um, so I eat fairly healthy and I do yoga five times a week and I walk my dog and I just stay active and fit So because it does take a lot of core strength and, and just um, being, you know, flexible and strong 
so that you can do what you love. I agree. It really does. I, part of the, I consider part of my um, furniture refinishing my exercise because I don't have as much time these days as I used to, or less, I guess I should say I don't have as much free time these days without my little ones around <laughs> to exercise. But yes, it is in run core muscles, um, good level of flexibility. Yes, just to minimize injury so you can continue to do what you love. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's excellent advice. You know, it's funny because obviously we see a lot of stories and we watch watch furniture finishers in action. Of course, I've done some as well. And I mean, it is it is a very demanding, um, you know, career <laughs> when it comes to physically, you know, bending low, bending higher, leaning up, moving things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's a really, really wise advice from both of you. And I'll also give a shout out um, to the Palm Pro, which I love. This is the Zebra Palm Pro. It has such a a nice ergonomic uh, handle. I agree. And it just fits in your hand so well. And I love using that for blending and it's perfect with milk paint also. And so that's a great tool for when you're painting too. I think probably all the um, zebra brushes are great ergonomically, but that the Palm Pro is my, my favorite. Man, that is an incredible compliment coming from two physical therapists. You know, when we first designed our brushes, we evaluated the handles on the market and really felt there was a significant opportunity to improve them ergonomically. So we created the hourglass handles for brushes that require longer handles. They really allow you to maneuver them. And, you know, we sometimes say spin them in your hand to get the desired comfort and control. But then, of course, we began looking at a shorter handle design, and we decided to start from scratch and focus on how the hand holds the brush especially when you need to paint in tighter spaces and when you have typical hand cramping that occurs, as you guys know, when you're painting for a longer period of times. You know, I remember we spent a lot of time just looking at the hand and the typical brush and realized there were a lot of gaps in those spaces and felt that we could really create something better. So we knew it was a huge opportunity. And out came the clay. We formed and reformed until we came up with the Palm Pro. And as the name says, it was designed to fit comfortably in the palm of the hand. And that's why we say it's an extension of your hand. Um, Well, this has been so helpful, uh, incredibly insightful tips from two physical therapist experts by (laughs) any standard. You guys are quite successful, not only in furniture finishing, but by hearing about your past careers in physical therapy. You know, understanding how you incorporate proper body mechanics and methods in your refinishing gives us tremendous insight on what we should or shouldn't do as well. So we are very appreciative to get some insight from you guys and to hear what you do and what works for you and to be able to glean from that. So just a big thank you to both you, Jen and Susan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Support for Zebra's Before and After comes from Zebra, the brush company that produces application-specific paintbrushes that will literally change your paint life. Whether you are painting a room, creating a craft, or refinishing a furniture piece, Zebra has you covered. Each one of our thoughtfully designed brushes has a specific purpose in mind, and each one is packed with unique and proprietary filaments that are smaller in diameter, allowing us to give you 25% more filament pack out than your standard brush. That translates to smooth finishes and fun brushing. Zebra brushes give you the opportunity to fill your work and guide it to your desired destination. Enjoy and paint on.
As you find yourself working in your studio, oftentimes alone, don't you find it enjoyable to hear what your refinishing friends are working on this week in their studios? Now, we know that social media provides a look into their projects, but we wanted to offer that same opportunity here on the show. Maybe we are just busy bodies. Actually, I think it sounds better to just say bodies that are busy. And we want to know what our friends are busy at. So here you go. Hey, guys, it's Crystal from The Local Cupboard. This week in the shop, I will be working on a two-toned mid-century desk. The color I've picked for it is called Venetian Portico from Benjamin Moore. I will also be whitewashing the top as well as some of the trim, spraying the original hardware, and finishing it off with some drawer liners. And this is Summer at Pinewood Charm. And this week I'm going to be finishing up a Heppel White sideboard that I started last week. And I'm also going to be working on a really pretty tall antique dresser as a custom project for a client. And I'm also going to be working on a really fun armoire that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be painting pink. So I think it's going to be a busy week. Hi, this is Jem from Forgotten Gems. So this week I'm currently working on bedroom furniture uh, in the French style. I've just refinished a dressing table with a stool and matching bedsides. And I'm doing two French linen cabinets as well. I'm using Fusion Minerals Neutrals, one being the Dusky Pink and also the Torps. So come and check them out this week on my page. Have a good week. Bye. If you're interested in sharing what you are working on in your studio, send me a quick message at lane at enjoyzebra.com. Did you know that veneer in woodworking has been around for years? Actually, many, many years, as far back as the Egyptians. According to theharpgallery.com, veneer techniques in the Renaissance became very sophisticated using tiny pieces of exotic woods and burl grain to create intricate designs or lavish scenes. HarpGallery.com goes on to explain that veneer means a thin layer of wood glued down to other wooden boards. Quote, wide planks of especially beautiful wood are gorgeous but tend to warp and curl over time. The techniques of veneering allows this beautifully grained wood to be glued to more stable wood and less attractive wood and less attractive grain for results that are beautiful and durable, unquote. As with anything, once you learn how something originated, you appreciate it a bit more. And as with anything, we know that you can have decay and damage on solid wood furniture, just like veneer furniture. The point is, when you are having to go the extra mile to remove damaged veneer, you can know that veneering has been around a long, long time. And just like the piece you're working on has history, you are creating history as you bring beauty back to a piece that would have likely ended up at the landfill. A little FYI on veneers. If you didn't know, now you do. Today's refinishing tip comes from Danielle with Soulful Collections. Hey, it's Danielle from Soulful Collections. I've got a little tip. Anytime that you do a piece of custom furniture or you're selling a piece to make it a little more personal with your business, I always like to include a care bag with that. Inside of the care bag, I put a postcard that has my logo and name on the front. On the back of the postcard includes care instructions such as how to clean your piece and with what and how long the paint takes to dry or cure. 
Um, I also put my social media accounts and my email. And then I also offer those clients a 10% off coupon on that care slip for their future purchase. In the bag, I put a small container of touch-up paint and the maker and color on top of the lid. And I include a paintbrush and or sponge. And I always include something a little sweet uh, that might be a candle or a piece of candy or something like that. So happy painting. Great tip, Danielle. We love how much thought you put into your customer service with the care bag. Terrific idea. Thanks for sharing your tip. Hey guys, it's Jen at Perfectly Imperfect. I am just checking in to see how your duck hunting is going. I am so excited to be hosting the upcoming event with Zebra called the Zebra Furniture Flip. What we are looking for are your ugly duckling pieces of furniture that you know can become beautiful swans. All you need to do is find an ugly duckling, submit a photo of that to us via Zebra's website. Submissions will be accepted starting on March 12th through March 19th. From there, we're going to choose the top three that we would like to see made over. We're going to follow along with you guys throughout the process. We're going to check in and see how it's going. You're going to receive brushes from Zebra, paint from Mud Paint, hardware from D. Lawless, and you're going to get my help if you need it. So I want you guys to get out there, find your ugly duckling, and submit it to us. I think it's going to be really fun. Once all of the pieces are done, we're going to open it up to the public and let them decide which one is their favorite swan. So anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as I am. I can't stop thinking about it or looking for those ugly ducklings myself. I'm loving getting all of the pictures and messages from you guys already. So I know you're excited too. So get out there, do some duck hunting, and guys, stay tuned. It's going to be fun. As Jen said, it's been a lot of fun already just seeing you guys start your duck hunting. It makes me want to go out and find an ugly, ugly duckling. But then if I do, well, it means I have to try and making it to a swan. Well, I'll leave that up to you all. It sure is a lot of fun watching the transformations take place. It is certainly a twist as well, knowing that Jen will be picking the ugliest pieces she sees Normally, it's the other way around. The public will eventually get to award the winner of the three finalists, and of course, those will be based on how dramatically and beautifully they flip their piece, turning it into a breathtaking swan. Even that sounds dramatic. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot. Some of you have several ugly ducklings and would like to submit more than one. However, this event, we're going to keep it to one entry per person. And by the way, the winner of the event will receive a special award. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Vlogs Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on the zebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at the zebrablog.com. That's zebra with an i blog.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. <laughs>